Happy holidays from the Marketing Essentials team. Today is a special episode in which Bill, myself, and Alicia select our favorite episodes from 2019. Hi, and welcome to the Marketing Essentials podcast. Our unique team helps small businesses grow by providing essential marketing expertise. Hello and welcome to the Marketing Essentials Podcast and happy holidays. This is Bill with W. Parmentier Photography. I'm Justin with Justin Kerr Design. And I'm Alicia with the Spark Social. And together we make up the the Marketing Marketing Essentials Essentials team. team. So we got a pretty cool podcast today. You know, it's going to be a little different than normal. Uh, What we decided uh, not too too long ago, we decided to go through some of our archive for the past year. Mm -hmm. We were going to pick out our favorite episode and uh, uh, take out a segment of it. Right. So who should go first? I think Alicia should go first. Okay, let's go with Alicia first. Oh, man, I was, you put me on the spot. (laughs) I was over here inviting people to like our Facebook page. Like our Facebook page if you haven't yet. Marketing Essentials Team. Shameless plug, huh? Yeah, why not? Also a shameless plug, going back to our favorite episodes of the year. So I chose, this was hard. We we do one episode a week, right? So Mm -hmm. we had 52 episodes basically to go through. Yes. We've had so many amazing guests from SEO to email to content to video to anything a small business needs to know is on our Marketing Essentials podcast. So I picked the suspense, building up the suspense. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the worst drum roll I've ever ever made. It was pretty weak, but they get the point. How to develop a mission statement. Hey, that's you, Justin. Right? Yay, I made the list. I, I didn't pick a guest. I, I picked Justin and Aww. I'm not being biased, but not, not that he built your website or your, uh, helped me with my mission statement. <laughs> that, um, that, that gift certificate, the Capitol grill had nothing to do with it. Oh, crap, that's what I missed out on. <laughs> I picked how to develop a mission statement and I picked it because I feel like it's the foundation of your marketing that a lot of business owners skip over. They're like, I need a logo. I need a domain. I need to put my business online. And they don't spend time thinking about their why, Mm -hmm. their who, their (laughs) what, and their mission. And so Justin took us, the Spark Social, through a mission statement strategy session getting us to our logo. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of businesses start first with their logo or, you know, whatever. Um, but it's the foundation, right? And so there's one line. If you listen to this clip, it goes, the title of this podcast should become mission statement equal more money. (laughs) (laughs) It was also an end of the day podcast too, to be fair. But the mission statement can make your business more money and listen to the clip that I chose. But in a summary, you know, too many businesses do not spend time on creating a meaningful mission statement and therefore they're not going to attract the right customers and they're not going to attract the right talent. They're going to attract workers. They're not going to have a team. They're going to attract people who are interested in them um, as a client, you know, purely transactional and no, no real value there. So that is my favorite podcast. Without any further ado, here is the clip. So once you've defined who you are and you've established your, who your audience is, 
you need a strategy to market to them, right? Well, your mission statement can help you develop that marketing strategy because it includes your, both your customers and your employees, if you have any employees. So it's important to the inside of your organization as well as to the outside because customers will want to be part of your mission. You know, if they believe in your mission, if they believe in why you exist and your purpose, mm-hmm. they'll want to be part of that. You know, they want to be part of the tribe, so to speak. Okay. Right? I mean, that's why, that's why you have Red Sox fans, right? <laughs> you know, you want, to be, you want to be part of that's that tribe. Sure. Right, because you believe in their mission. Their mission is to win the World Series every year, <laughs> right? <laughs> At least hopefully, right? But, well, yeah. But, I mean, you know, you think of any sports team. Their, their mission is to win the championship for their particular sport. And their fans, they want to be part of that story. They want to be part of that mission, right? Yep. And then the employees will also want to be part of that team. They have to buy in to the mission, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a clear mission statement, it's something that's understandable. They can look at that and go, do I want to be part of that? And they can say yes or no. But the important part is they need to understand what they're buying into. Sure. I think that's huge, especially in today's day and age where... Millennials don't just want a job that's going to pay the bills. They want to be part of a, a culture. They want to be part of something that's a little bit bigger. And millennials are a huge part of the workforce. I see that becoming more of a trend with even what's after the millennials now, the baby it's Generation Z. I don't know. I don't even yeah, know. I've lost track now. The Instagram generation, the Snapchat people, whatever. Instagram generation. I like that. Yeah. I think that's going to be a thing. They need jobs soon, right? And mm-hmm. they're not... I've read a study that people will take like up to like a $15,000, $10,000 pay cut for happy, like having a better work-life balance or feeling like they're part of a culture. So right. You, you use the word tribe, but uh, having that mission statement for employees and, and businesses, forget that. They're just like, oh, you know, I'm here and I'll just hire people, but they don't put the mission statement out there. It's, it's like part of the what will bring people in. Right. And if you're, you know, when you define your mission statement and you know what you're about, you want people on board who share that, that yeah. mission, right? Who yeah. buy into it. Because otherwise you've just got workers, mm-hmm. right? Not a team. Right, exactly. Mm. Yeah, so that's a, I think that that's something, because, you know, we just went through the process of doing our mission statement and I think I was thinking of it definitely a more of a customer-facing approach. But when you add in that element of the employees, that's that's huge. I, it gives a new perspective as to why it's so important. The customers, obviously, it's important for both. But oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, th- I think one of the advantages, too, of developing a mission statement is it gives you a long view of your company or your organization. Because the short view is, hey, we need to make money, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Pretty and, much, yeah. And that's fine. There's nothing... Um, wrong with making money. I mean, if you weren't making money, you wouldn't be in business, right? right? It's not very long. But it's it's a short <laughs> view, right? And the view of making a profit, you know, and making money is not an end unto itself. It's a means to an end. And your mission statement, that's your end, right? It's why you exist. So if you know why you exist and why you're doing what you're doing, then you know, you can custom tailor your marketing, you know who your audience is, you can bring people on board that buy into that mission, and you're just a much more effective and dynamic organization. Right. There has to be more to it than just starting a business to make money. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I've even gone through that process myself, you know, having come into being a business owner sort of by 
being downsized from an organization um, and having to make that decision, but really just sort of jumping out of the plane without really knowing how to run a business. But over the last three years, I've had to begin to define that mission statement because I've come to the realization that, you know, you pointed out, it's more than just making money, mm-hmm. right? Because your initial goal is, I got a mortgage to pay, I got bills to pay, I got children to feed, I have to make money. So that's your, you know, that was my primary uh, drive right at first, right? Just get jobs, get customers. But as time's gone on, I've realized oh, I really have to have a mission statement. I have to be able to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. So it's, you know, I've been on the same journey that I'm, you know, outlining for a lot of my clients as well. And when you went through that process, I don't know if this is coming up, but a question I have is, did it help you find clients that after you went through doing your own mission, did it help you attract clients that were more aligned with what you were looking for in an ideal client? Could you better identify and attract? Yeah, it, it has begun to eliminate some kinds of clients. You know, it's helped me define what is most important to me in the work that I do. And I've started to more carefully vet clients instead of just, hey, anybody that wants to, you mm-hmm. know, do work with me, let's do work together. Right. So yeah, it has helped me become you know, sort of more focused, more discriminating. Mm-hmm. And I think in the long run, I'm going to be much more effective because if I'm working with people who um, have sort of bought into what I'm about, we're going to be able to do good work together. And that, so I know it's, it, it, the mission is more than just making money. Right. However, to bring it full circle, if you really are focused on that bottom line, if you're working with your ideal clients, you have the opportunity to make more money. Yes. And a mission statement can help you get more ideal clients. <laughs> I think the title of this podcast has just become mission statement equals mo money. Solid advice there, yeah, Justin. <laughs> Way to go, Justin. You made the list this year. I now made my, the list. You should, now you realize that my goal is going to make next year's list. Yep. Because right? I have to, because I know <laughs> yep. I'm not, I can now see the notes that I know I'm not on this year's list. So I'm going to, so, uh, what, I, yeah, pick yours. I'm going to go mine. Okay. Yeah. All right. I guess I'll do mine now. Hang on. I got to pull it up here. All right. So mine was actually the, one of the first podcasts we did in 2019, mm. which was, uh, Lev Poploff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember he was, he talked about, uh, storytelling mm-hmm. yeah. for nonprofits. No, Lev was a great interview. Yeah, it was such, such a fun interview and not from a, a joking standpoint because well, it was a serious it was a matter. But yeah, no, the, topic. To- the topic was very serious, but it was, he was a great interview. Yeah, and, and I love storytelling. So for me, um, he, he went over in the clip that I picked about the, the uh, power of using social media to tell a story. Mm-hmm. He also talked about the app that he created that, uh, for the, uh, Holocaust Memorial, Holocaust Memorial yep. down in Providence and how he took time to make sure that stories, not only the stories of those who perished during, uh, the Holocaust, but also the survivors. He, so he right. had some standpoints of the people that were, you know, had survived that ho- the Holocaust from Rhode Island, from Rhode Island. Yes. Yes. So that was a po- powerful part of the story for me and the storytelling is in, in a form of marketing, but also he also made mention of something that I thought was very poignant. Uh, the importance of relating past experiences to more recent ones. He mentioned in, in the clip that I'm going to uh, play for us today it, that uh, a lot of people had forgotten about the Holocaust. Uh, you know, the younger generation coming across they don't right. know the, they don't know the history, they don't know the story of it, but they do know about some of the more recent genocides that have been happening 
mm. and how he had talked to the the Memorial Foundation about, hey, let's relate this to anybody that's gone through any type of genocide. Mm-hmm. Right. So that way it's more relevant across the board, which I thought was a great um, insight as to how to market to people that don't necessarily understand that they're being marketed to, so to speak. So, right. And the other thing that I really liked about his episode, and you should really go back and listen to the full episode. Yes, absolutely. Uh, is the app that they developed to provide that augmented reality experience yes. Yes. at so the Memorial. Cool. Yeah. He mm-hmm. said a lot of people go by the Memorial down by the river and they don't even know what it is. Yeah. And that, the, the clip that I picked does talk a, uh, a little bit about the app that, that he helped develop. Yeah. So. Which is really cool. Cause We've talked a lot on this podcast about storytelling and mm-hmm. the role it plays in marketing. And I think this particular episode is an excellent example of that. Absolutely. So without further ado, here's the clip. I've been aware about the Bornstein Holocaust Center for many years. And um, one day, literally, I bumped into the executive director, who I know. I didn't know her well. And it just dawned on me to go up and ask her a simple question. And the question was... What are you doing to remain relevant in the world today? Hmm. That's she, a great question. That is. Yeah. And she looked at me like, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm kind of guessing the average age of the members of your board of directors is what? 72? And she's like, yeah, that's a pretty good guess. And I'm like, and do you use Facebook? Well, we got a Facebook page. Oh, and <laughs> are you on Twitter and Instagram? I said, what are you doing to reach people? Well, we have these great programs and, and, you know, and people come to them. I was like, oh. And so I was like, can I, you know, talk to you about this? Her name is May Ronnie Zaidman, and uh, I love her. And she and I have developed an incredible relationship over the years. And we, we sat down to talk and I was like, you know, May Ronnie, the world has changed. You know, the world is no longer build it and they will come. The world today is you need to reach people where they are and where they are is on social media. Now, I get that the average seven year old person may not be on social media. So I'm not saying that we should stop doing press releases and writing newspaper articles and printing flyers and distributing them in places that we should continue to do that. But we need to attract a younger audience because where are your future board members, your future donors and your future volunteers coming from? Sure. So that conversation led to me um, to have a meeting with her board of directors because I did need to suggest to them that they slightly change their mission because their mission, and I, I don't want to sound crass, but I'm going to just say it the way I always say it. They were all Holocaust all the time. And I, I went to them and I said, you know, a lot of young people, they don't know much about the Holocaust. That was 75 years ago. To them, that's ancient history. Right. But, but they, they do know about discrimination. They do know about hate. They do know about racism so exactly exactly and they know about other genocides you know they know about what happened in darfur give a prime example they know what are happening to the rohingya muslim in myanmar right now mm-hmm. and so i i asked them if they would consider changing their mission slightly to becoming an organization that uses the lessons of the holocaust to teach about genocide and hate and discrimination and all the isms and to use these lessons to educate people to hopefully help people become more aware of this and more conscious of this. So when they see hateful things happening, they won't ignore it. They'll do something about it. And they agreed to make that change. And that's what led to our coming together. And when we did come together, I guess it was about three and a half years ago, we agreed to have me work with them. They literally had no Twitter, 
no Instagram, and 56 Facebook followers. Wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Most of which were family and friends. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. yeah, moms don't count. <laughs> today, today we have over 3,600 Facebook followers, Amazing. and they're not just in Rhode Island. They're all over the world because this is a universal message. We have a Twitter account with well over 1,500 followers. You know, we're using Instagram, and we are reaching out and spreading this message a lot farther than we used to. Wow. So now they have programs they have content that they put out but i'd like to talk a little bit about the memorial Mm. and how you took that and really turned it into a terrific way of telling a story Mm. and doing it in a really savvy way with a piece of technology so let's talk a little bit about that okay well yeah, so just to give a little bit of background, uh, the Rhode Island Holocaust Memorial, and for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's down on the banks of the Providence River right next to the World War II Memorial. Um, it took, believe it or not, over 20 years to get that thing built. Wow. It was the vision of a, of a local Holocaust survivor, and it, it took a lot of work, a lot of fundraising, but eventually the committee came together that raised all the money, hired the architect designer and, and, and got it built. And it's, it's a very nice memorial. However, it had no context. It's not super huge, but it's a small sculptural garden and every piece in it has symbolic meaning. But if you didn't know what you were looking at, you really wouldn't know what you were looking at. So prior to this piece of technology that I'm going to mention in a moment. Um, you know, you'd show up, you'd see the front gate that said Rhode Island Holocaust Memorial. You'd walk in the entrance, you'd walk to the end, you'd see this spheroid thing at the, at the end, you'd see these columns along the way, this, this sidewalk, and you'd be done in 15 seconds. And that would be it. So eventually, after it was built, uh, the Jewish Alliance of, of Greater Rhode Island They came to us, the Bornstein Holocaust Education Center, and said, you know, it's now time for you to take over this thing. You need to be in charge of the educational aspects of it, and you need to raise money and be in charge of the maintenance, too. (laughs) We're like, well, it makes sense. So we we took that on. And May Ronnie, the executive director, and I were talking, and she's like, you know, it's such a lovely little memorial, but it has no context. There's no emotional connection that is created by people who walk through it. And if people don't already know a lot about the Holocaust, it has no meaning whatsoever. So we put our, our heads together and I had the idea of, well, you know what we need, May Ronnie? We need an app. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, and she's so funny because, you know, she tells her, you know, you're my tech guy. <laughs> she's like, she didn't, you know, she's like, she did. When I said that we need an app, she's like, a what? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, hey, Ronnie, you, right, you want to get some appetizers? Okay, I know this lovely little place. Right? And so I, I, I said to her, I said, well, May Ronnie, you do have a smartphone. I've seen it, right? I was like, those those little pictures, you know? You touch the picture and something happens. <laughs> so she, so anyway, but she was, and, and I, I basically explained to her, I said, this is how we can bring this memorial to life, that we can tell the story of the memorial, how it got built, what everything means that's there and to help people have this emotional connection to it so that they don't go through it in 15 seconds, but maybe they spend 10, 15, 20 minutes there because the purpose of the memorial, we want it to be a place of reflection. And if you don't understand what you're looking at, there's nothing to reflect on. 
And the, the memorial itself actually has a dual purpose. It's there to memorialize the 6 million Jews who were killed in the Holocaust. By the way, it doesn't ignore the other 5 million people. There were a total of 11 million people who died in the Holocaust, but primarily it's there to memorialize the 6 million Jews who, were, who perished in the Holocaust. But it's also there to pay tribute to the 200 or so survivors who made their way to Rhode Island, who built new lives here, who got married here and had businesses and children and became part of the cultural community of our state. So it has this dual purpose. And so now, obviously, I'm not a code writer. I couldn't create the app itself. So I joke when I said I made it. But, you know, I did, you know, went through a search to find the company to work with who would actually build the app. But I did write all the content, take all the photograph, choose the music. And we worked together to create what I think is just a beautiful app that uh, really just brings it this this context that helps create an emotional connection for the person. So thanks for sharing that clip, Bill. Um, that's going to be a difficult one to follow now because um, it's such a serious topic. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, sometimes serious works. Yeah, you know, yeah. So can't be all fun and games, Bill. No, <laughs> why not? Oh, sorry. So, Justin, tell us about your pick for the podcast. Well, I didn't really have to think very long for mine. My favorite episode from last year was the Taylor Box episode. That was a cool episode. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So we had, it was two people we actually had mm -hmm. in studio with us, uh, Judy Sheehan and James Lucy yes. from Taylor Box, which is down in Warren. Mm -hmm. I've actually I've actually got a chance to uh, tour that. Yeah, so I did it's too. It's really cool. It is. And it, I don't know if I... We mentioned this in the clip that we're going to use, but when I went there, I'd never been there before. And you drive up and you think, oh, this is like a really tiny building. It's huge. And you get in there and it's like a TARDIS. It's like it just goes on forever. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, where yeah. did this building come from? But it's really cool. They've been there forever. Yeah. And we had them on to talk about how to market through specialty packaging mm -hmm. and they do some amazing work. And if you go and listen to the episode in the show notes, we have a link to a video where they brought a lot of uh, samples in yep. and we did a special little, um, yeah, one of them was like a golf, uh, golf gloves. Yeah. F uh, foot joy, foot joy I yeah. think mm -hmm. was one mm -hmm. of them and they just had some really cool packaging. So they brought it in. We did a little video, uh, excerpt mm -hmm. and we just, had them tell us about some of these specialty packages that they did. And some of them are just awesome. They've done a lot of work for um, Stephen King. They've done mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. uh, wonderful presentation boxes for him. They've done work for, for Gillette, uh, Gillette and yeah. Footjoy. Uh, they actually have a couple of different companies inside. They have Taylor Box and then they have like a division that de uh, deals specifically with uh, artist portfolios and do some very high-end work uh, for artists. So really cool. I just liked the way that they talked about this. And I had never heard of prior to this account based marketing. So we started talking about account based marketing, which is marketing specifically to a handful of clients and sending out things like that they do, these specialty packages to those clients and really make an impression on them. Cool. So cool. it was cool to talk to them about, you know, the packaging, the account-based marketing. We talked a little bit about influencer kits, mm -hmm. uh, which they do a lot of. So what is the clip uh, that you picked about? Well, they talked about uh, those four things, account-based marketing, influencer kits. They talked about keepsakes, the fact that these items stay around. They're not 
you know, you get something in the mail, it's a flyer and maybe you keep it, maybe you throw it away. The digital, it's there and it's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these things that they do, these, these specialty packages, people keep them and they stay around. Cool. And they also talked about, you know, the attractiveness of custom packaging and that psychological value to the sending this out. Sure. So it's a really great way to market yourself. And I just, I just, they're like one of my favorite companies. Cool. Let's play the clip. Play the clip. Let's play the clip. Play the clip. Easy for you to say. say. Yeah. <laughs> Try it again. <laughs> play the clip. There we go. Taylor Box, been around a long time. Um, well, well known for what they do. Specialty packaging. We talked about influencer kits. Uh, we talked about, um, you know, this is something, not your standard packaging. So tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about where that comes into play and the value of that in the marketing spectrum that, that a small business uh, might be looking at. You know, if they're going to consider some sort of specialty packaging, how does that fit into what everything else they're trying to do? Well, so it depends. So if, if they're they're marketing a product and they want a packaging for a product, how do they differentiate themselves amongst all their other competition? Okay. Um, what's the first thing you notice when you walk through a store? What stands out most to you is the packaging, right? So that's where it can help someone who's actually producing a, a product, right? So when you're trying to actually market a business, let's say a business-to-business promotion or even, even a business-to-customer promotion, you can create, you know, there's nothing like you, when you're doing a direct mail piece or an influencer kit or something like that. There is still such, such a reaction to that that you can't get specifically through digital. You know, you can, it's, it's sort of, and it is a different tactic. It's a different marketing approach. So you're doing a direct marketing campaign where you're actually figuring out who the folks you want to send pieces to and you're putting something in front of them that they're going to be wowed by that is actually going to be much more memorable than if they necessarily see an ad on a website. Mm. You know, if you get something in the mail that you open up and it is beautifully designed even before you even take that first snap of the the top of the box and open it up and then you see this beautiful display inside, you're going to take thought of that. And that's, you know, going to get the attention of people that you would probably have a harder time trying to get in front of otherwise. And it doesn't have to be this extremely elaborate piece. It could be a beautifully presented box with some swag inside that you want to send. And yes, it is a, it's a different strategy, whereas with digital, you know, you're casting this wide net. Whereas with a direct ma- market mail piece, you're actually focusing in on who you want to capture and getting right in front of them without having to chase them down, you know? Um, and, and direct mail still has uh, a big impact. And if it's one thing to mail a, just a flat piece, it's easily discarded. But if you're mailing something substantial, it's, it's, you have better chances of getting, getting their attention. You mentioned influencer kits a couple times. I think some of our listeners may need a little bit of an explanation or, or maybe it's more specific to like what you do for the influencer kits, if you could explain just a little bit on that. Well, you've been doing For well sure, yeah, research. yeah, yeah. Influencers, like as a, as a social media phenomenon, like, I mean, it, it seems to be, I guess, uh, more of an Instagram sort of uh, phenomenon. But basically, it's somebody with some clout, some 
following some influence on social media in a particular industry, whether it be beauty or sports or entertainment of, I don't know, like what have you. you, you pick it, there's probably an influencer for it. And so brands will come to us or other packaging designer manufacturers to create a succinct little kit that they can send to these folks and by virtue of their social media presence, whatever they put in this little kit, whether it's a new product or just a little sampler of what their brand has to offer, these influencers will get this kit, hopefully make a nice little video about it or you know, a series of, of posts of some kind, say, hey, look what I got in this kit. It's super awesome. Here's this product. You should use it. You know? Awesome. Um, yeah. I've seen a couple in Snapchat, Instagram stories. I think... This was maybe more like a celebrity endorsement, but mm-hmm. kind of along influencer kits. Maddie and Tay with, I think it was, a, a, I don't even remember what was in the box right now because I, I was just scrolling through, but I saw them opening the box and like pulling out. I think it was beauty products, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. So that's really cool. I think some of our listeners may not be super up to date on the influencer thing. It's kind of the new trend, you know? Yeah. So that was a really great explanation. And that, that shows just like a num- another use of packaging and how yes. it can be part of the marketing. And I think like one of the things that stood stood out to me is when you were talking about the it, you know it's it's a different type of box it's a different type of it's not just packaging yeah. but the word experience stuck out in my mind so people are getting these packages and it's not just a mailing it's an experience yeah it's a user experience mm-hmm. yes and that's also the same thing with the what do you think about product packaging um, just a you know a plastic piece of packaging or just a like with the with let's say a liquor packaging you have this beautiful gorgeous box sitting on a shelf versus just a bottle with a label which is still beautiful in itself but then you have this beautiful extra piece of packaging it just makes it it adds so much value mm-hmm. um, I was actually using this example you have you know one of those cheap silver plastic party spoons that a piece of plastic mm-hmm. or you put it in a beautiful box with it in sitting inside a beautiful insert and make it look completely sophisticated which one do you think is going to sell for a higher price or be much more appealing it's all somebody? it's perception it is you know, yeah. perception of value i think maybe we should start marketing the podcast by sending out influencer kits with little iPods preloaded with all our uh, podcasts on it and just, you know, see if uh, we can get like some kind of big name. What's Is that coming budget? out of your club, the budget, Justin? I was, I was <laughs> say, absolutely. We don't have a budget for that. Well, no, I, mean, I bought a lottery ticket today. That should cover it, right? Yeah, go with that. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, we hope you liked all of our choices for this year. And uh, as another year comes so close, we want to thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Thank, you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being part of this because without you guys, we're just talking to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So also, if you have uh, an idea Absolutely. for a marketing topic or you have a recommendation for a guest that you think would be good for us to interview, you can reach us through our website mm-hmm. and send us that recommendation. And also something new that we're coming up with. Um uh, we may be offering some sponsorships for those who are interested in uh, maybe sponsoring the Marketing Essentials podcast. Uh, details to come, but we just figured we'd throw that out there. Right. So, All right. So slide into our DMs. So Happy New Year. We'll see you Find in the new Facebook year. And, yes. Yes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. See you later. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you for joining us today. And as always, you can find the back episodes of our podcast on Apple Podcasts. And you can also find us on our YouTube channel. Both of them are the Marketing Essentials team. You can find us on the web at marketingessentialsteam.com. And if you subscribe through our website, you'll receive a weekly email and letting you know when each episode has been published. Also, you'll receive a link to subscriber-only content. You can also find us on Facebook and our private Facebook group. Just search Little Roadie Marketing Support Group. It's a great place for other marketing professionals and business owners where we can share marketing advice, challenges, and general trends. Hope to see you there.